Hello, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. And I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way, with the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Gregson, and I am thrilled to be with you on another episode of a wonderful, incredible story. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be a really fun one. Please tune in. Um, I have a young man here with me, 21-year-old Michael Taylor from Baltimore, Maryland, who moved out here when he was 17 and his upbringing, he went through a pretty amazing journey just to get out here. Um, he has found God, and he is getting ready to go serve an LDS mission. And you're going to Dallas, Texas East? Yeah, Dallas, Texas East, Spanish-speaking. And I'll tell you what, Dallas, Texas East, you better be excited because you're getting a good one. Um, so the way I know Michael is, let's see, we are, we're on Thursday today, February 4th. Last Sunday, virtually, I'm sitting in my living room listening to church virtually and all of a sudden here comes this young kid and and first your your dad gets up and he literally gives a maybe probably about a five minute talk and and he wraps it up and at the end of his talk he says i want to make sure to leave plenty of time for michael and by the time that he finished there was literally probably at least 40 minutes maybe 45 minutes left and i'm sitting here going okay an 18-year-old kid to fill up that much time. This is going to be interesting to see how it goes. Can it be done? Yeah, it can be done. But, but we'll say it again. 21. 20, yes. No, no. But like 18 for the, the other kids, right? The other kids that are going on their mission. So in my mind, I'm like, this is an 18-year-old kid getting up there with 40 to 45 minutes. And I'm like, this will be fun. This will be interesting. And then you get up there, you start talking, and I turn and look at my wife, and I'm like, I get it. I understand why dad wanted to leave you plenty of time. Um Michael, you you have a powerful spirit. Um, your story is incredible. It's hard. It's difficult. It's tough. But man, where you're at today, like it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And the way you talked about it on Sunday. And so later that day, when, when you finished your talk, my wife and I turned to each other and I and we both said to each other, "Holy cow! Like that was a that was one of the best talks I've ever heard in church. And, and don't let that go to your head, right? I mean, no, but, but you kept saying throughout the talk, like, I know who it is that, that, that teaches. It's not me. It's God. But, but the, you did an amazing job, and, and you've been prepared, and it's a, it's a pretty beautiful thing to see, and you recognize that, and that was, that was what was so strong about it. So I, I, I was sitting there thinking about the talk and my wife said, you need to, you need to reach out to him, get him on the podcast. And I'm like, I know I felt the same way. And, uh, but then I'm like, oh my gosh, this kid's probably going on a mission here really quick. So I don't know if I want to do that to him. And I, and I, you know, I felt like I needed to. So I reached out to you the next day and 
he shot it back to me and he said, yeah, let's do this. So, um, Michael Taylor and excited to have you here. Tune in, listen in. This is an amazing, amazing story you're going to hear. So Michael, take it away. Tell us about yourself. All right. Thank you. Really, really excited to be here. Really happy to have this opportunity. So, uh, just, just starting from the beginning, uh, I was born in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, in 1999 on November 13th. Um, my mom, she was active in her addiction. Uh, she, she was an addict. She was addicted to crack and, uh, pills and, and possibly other things. You know, she was an alcoholic and, uh, my father, he wasn't actually there at my birth. You know, his name's not on my birth certificate. Um, from my understanding, he, he was an addict in recovery. Um, I'm not entirely sure on the substances that he had used, but you know, my parents were never married. Um, I was born out of wedlock and, uh, they both, you know, they had a belief in God but they weren't members of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. And I never once went to church with my mom and my dad. Uh, we, whenever I was at his house on Sundays, we would go to church, uh, which was good. Um, but yeah, so my mom, she, she was very active in her addiction. Um, and they had From your birth? From my birth, okay. yeah. Possibly from pregnancy. I'm not sure. You know, my grandparents tell me that during that time she, she sobered up, but you know, yeah. I, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... They had a uh, split custody of me. So, you know, I'd be with my mom most of the week and I'd see my dad Wednesday and every other weekend. Um, and growing up was pretty tough. You know, my dad scared the crap out of me. I mean, he was a big guy. He was a scary guy, a really aggressive guy, you know, and uh, my half brother. Um, so oh, my, my dad's biological son. Uh, he was with me and my dad whenever I was there usually. And he, he was mostly very verbally abusive to him. You know, he yelled at him a lot. If he made a mistake, you know, um, he would get pretty physically abusive sometimes. And I I would think I was really lucky. You know, my dad never actually laid a hand on me. I think part of it was uh, my my half-brother, his name is Jonathan. His mother uh, had actually committed suicide. Yeah, that's hard. Um, She had done that a number of years before. I don't even think I ever got the chance to meet her. Um, So in in my eyes and in most of my biological family's eyes, it was just kind of free reign, you know, like he could hit him, yell at him, hurt him, whatever he wanted to. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of, repercussions from that there was a time when i was i was really young i was taken away from my dad for a year because it just got so bad um were you with your mom still at that point you know i don't remember it 100 percent. okay so i think um i probably was with my grandparents a little bit with my gotcha. mom a little bit you know and, and you're and jonathan was he with your dad all the time yeah from what okay. i from what i remember he was with him all the time okay. um and so he, yeah he was really bad with him you know and like i said he never laid a hand on me he threatened to a lot of times sure. and i was like a big fat kid at the time <laughs> not yeah. anymore not anymore thankfully but <laughs> we grow out of it yeah we do we do and he, he'd always be like yeah you're wider than you are tall and things like that you know and uh oh, that stuff hurt you know yeah. i was a little kid i was really insecure about it kids Man. mess with me in school for it so that was pretty rough i'm sorry that hurts yeah and and when i look back on it you know i think my dad loved me a lot and yeah. he still loves me a lot um but it's just his elevator just doesn't quite go to the top floor you know and that might be because of the result of some using be- beforehand and maybe some other mental issues, but it was, it was really rough, you know, like don't cut this guy off on the road. Yeah. You know, I remember one time a guy pulled out a little too far from a stop sign and you know, those like tire locks, you put them on your tire, not your tire, your wheel. And yeah. like, you can't turn the wheel. Yep. He like grabbed that thing and just about beat the guy, beat the guy up with it. You know, oh, I was sitting okay. there yelling at him and what do they call him the club. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's the club. Yeah. Um, gosh, one time we got, uh, cut off on the road. I was with him and my stepmom and, uh, he like got out of the car and started beating on their window and he like spit on it. And I got to look at the people at the yeah. last minute. It was just like these old, old black people. Oh. And he's, he was like a really racist guy too. So that was a struggle as well. Oh man. 
Um, yeah. And when I was over my mom's, you know, she had a lot of boyfriends, like a lot of boyfriends, you know, they'd come over and they'd use and, um, she also had this like huge scar on her face. She always told me she got hit in the face with a softball, hmm. which like, you know, it doesn't really give you a scar, but yeah. I found out later, like she, she tried to screw someone over and they grabbed a knife and just put a huge cut on her face for it. Oh. Like, don't ever screw with me again, sort of thing. No kidding. Yeah. Oh. And it was rough with her, you know, um, she was, she was there, but she wasn't there. Yeah. You know, she was always just on something. She was always on the couch sleeping or almost sleeping or just smoking some cigarettes. And she had like these awful ulcers in her stomach that she had to get operated on for. And, um, she'd like wake up in the middle of the night, just screaming. No kidding. Yeah. And would you, at that point, would you be the one that kind of ran to help her? Like, or like how, what was your relationship with like her? Did you feel loved by her? I definitely felt loved by her. You know, she had her, her moments where she would definitely show me some love and I'm grateful. I could kind of see past the addiction a little bit. Maybe yeah. that was just a gift from God or something, yeah. you know, like Mike, your mom does love you. Yeah. Um, and you know, yeah, I, I kind of had to be the adult a little bit there at Did those you? times. Like grew get up, up and, quick. Yeah. Grew yeah. up quick and, um, for sure. So, you know, I tried taking care of her. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that was pretty consistent up until, uh, the age of like 13 or so. Okay. And at that time, you know, my, my half brother, he turned 18, he moved out. Um, I guess I should back up a little bit though, you know, cause I, I I'm an addict in recovery. You know, okay. I, I definitely, uh, I've definitely struggled with addiction a good bit. Um, my first exposure to drugs, I was probably 10 years old and it was after my, my half brother had moved out. Um, and I 10 years old, 10 years old. Okay. Yeah. And I was at my mom's house and my half brother showed up out of nowhere. It was like, Hey, you want to hang out? And I think I was being watched by one of my mom's boyfriends. So yeah, I went out with him and, uh, we were driving around and I didn't know what he meant at the time, but he's like, Hey, I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine. Her name is uh, Mary Jane. So <laughs> you're like, who's Mary? Yeah. <laughs> like, who's this? What, does she have blonde hair or brown hair? Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh. Yeah. And like we, we went back to his house and I I wonder like what goes through someone's head to do that. Yeah. You know, like 10 year old kid, but yeah. How old is he? Uh, he was probably like 20 ish. I'm not really sure. I'm, you know, growing up in that kind of environment though, do you blame him? No, I can't really. That's kind of all he knew. Yeah. You know, that was, that was his life at that point in time, you know? And that probably at that point in time for him was sort of an escape too, right? Like, Hey, I want you to loosen up. Don't feel the pressure, right? That's kind of what, you know, Mary Jane does for you. But like, man, I, you know, I, that's tough. That is tough for you too at that point in your lives to like, how do you make any other choice besides that? Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. keep going. So yeah, I, I probably went back to his house and I was using with him maybe like every other week for a few months and, and then it just kind of stopped. I don't know from what I was told he got arrested. Okay. I, I don't know what happened though. Sure. Um, but yeah, so up, up until like the age of 13, that was just kind of my life between my mom, my dad going back and forth. Uh, I'd say around the age of like 12 or so, I started staying at my grandparents a lot more. Okay. Stuff with my mom was just getting really bad. And this is your mom's parents? My mom's parents, okay. yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, um, stuff with her was just getting so bad. And I had another half-brother whose name is Alex. Okay. And thankfully, he he took me out of that situation, you know? Like, he, he had his issues with substances as well. Sure. And for the most part, he kept me away from that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, as in, he... There was one time where he had, you know, used marijuana with me when I was probably like 11 or so. But other than that, you know, he, he had more of a conscience. He was like, man, I'm so sorry I did that. I should have never done that. Gotcha. You know? So he actually knew like, hey, I don't want you to get wrapped up in this thing at this early in age. You got to you gotta have some choice in it. And right now, yeah. Okay. Yeah. How old was he? Um, he's 10 years older than me. So he, okay. he probably would have been like uh, 21. 21. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Good for him to have a conscience about it. For you know? real, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he saved me. Yeah. And like, you know, I, like I said, I was a big kid. He got me out running. I hated him for it. I couldn't stand No kidding. It. That's yeah. awesome, man. 
It was good. So you started getting into sports and stuff, like you running around a little bit. Yeah, running around. Just a getting active. Bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he helped me out a lot. You know, I, I owe him a lot for sure. that. Got me out of that environment. Um, but yeah, you know, um, so that was when I was like twelve. I probably started hanging out with him a lot more. We played okay. video games together. And uh, then when I was thirteen, you know, the way I remember it, I was at my dad's house, and he had a new wife at that point. Okay. Um, it's interesting. He, Your he, dad did. Yeah. He okay. Did. He was like fifty-five, and I think she was like twenty-something, like maybe twenty-three <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I was with my stepmom and had to go to the dentist that morning and she dropped me off my grandparents' house afterwards. And I walk in and I see my, uh, my half brother, Alex in there, the one who went running with me a lot. Um, and he was just like kind of crying, you Uh know? And I didn't know what was going on. I just sat down and started, started eating my breakfast and he just kept saying like, Mike, we love you. Just want you to know, like, we love you, man. And I remember saying like, don't tell me someone died, you know? Um, and I kind of felt like that's what was happening, but he just kept saying, like, Mike, we love you. And yeah. it felt like that kind of went on for a long time. And then uh, my grandparents walked in, you know, and my grandfather, you know, he has trouble crying in front of the people. And uh, he said, Mike, your mom died this morning. Oh, man. Yeah. You were 13. Uh, I was 13 years old at that time. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. Thanks. And, um, you know, I, I remember it. It was so weird. I knew I had to cry. Like, and I did cry for like a solid five minutes, but I almost forced it. It was weird. Like my emotions were already just shutting off. You're, you're numb. I, you, I like you numb. don't know, your world flipped upside down, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so I, I cried for like five minutes, give my grandma a hug, give my brother a hug, give my grandfather a hug. And man, I didn't cry again for like five years. No kidding. No more than like a tear. Wow. I, I wouldn't let myself. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm done with that. Not doing it. So, so did your mom die of an overdose? Yeah. She died of an overdose. You know, my, my grandfather originally told me like, yeah, she had a heart attack. And I, I somewhat believed him, but I, yeah. I kind of knew that wasn't it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I knew she died of an overdose. Man. And 13. 13. Holy cow, buddy. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. So what, what happens after that? So, you know, naturally, like I got to call my dad about that, right? And I already decided in my mind beforehand, like the way custody is right now, I want it to stay the same. So I call my dad and I say, and it was weird because I was totally numb to it. Yeah. I could have called him like I was ordering a pizza or something. <laughs> I just called him and said, hey, dad, so uh, mom died. my mom died this morning. And he, he didn't say anything. You know, it's like kind of speechless. And I said, um, the way things are right now with custody, I'd really like them to stay the same. You yeah. know, I want to see you Wednesday and every other weekend. Stay with. And stay with my grandparents yeah. the, the other time, like usual. And at first he was like, uh, okay, bud. Yeah, yeah, I think that should be fine. And I was like relieved about that, you know. Yeah, because you're this abusive around his home, right? You're kind of yeah. feeling, okay. So you're probably scared of like, oh my gosh. I don't want to live with him full time. Yeah. Right. It was terrifying. Yeah. And so for the first day, it was good. Seriously, like next day, he said, never mind. You're going to come live with me. I'm going to take full custody of you. And that was super scary because like I said before, with, with my half brother, Jonathan, like the reason I saw my dad getting away doing that to him is because he had no mom. Yeah. You know, he had nowhere else to go. No one else looking after he him. He was stuck. He was stuck and he, he just didn't have a choice. And I was like, that's going to be me next, mm. you know, and that scared the crap out of me and my grandparents. I mean, I love them so much, you know, they, at that point in time, they, they were in charge of me, you know, so they, they got a lawyer and they started custody battles, which went on for a long time. Good for them. Yeah. It, it was hard. You know, did you express to them? Like, I can't do it. Grandma, grandpa, like I can't live that. Like, did they know what kind of environment that you would be in? They, they had a pretty good idea. Sure. I think when they really understood it was like at my mom's funeral, yeah. you know, my, my dad's, uh, brothers and sisters came yeah and like they first went and talked to my grandparents and my aunt and uncle who i'm on good terms with my aunt and uncle and you know and 
he said, you, you can't let him go there. You got to do whatever you can to not let him go there. And they came over to me and like they wrote down their phone numbers like, don't let your dad see this. If he hurts you, call us and we're going to do what we have to to get you out of there. So that was like scary, you know? Man. Yeah. That's a... Uh... That's I can't imagine being a kid like like you look at your you look at Jonathan, and I hope he hears this one day. But like you look at Jonathan, and you're like, dude, you, there, there's what choice do you make? You've got to find somewhere to escape because you are stuck in hell, yeah. right? And that's that's dark. That's hard. You don't know anything different. That's that is so difficult. So there you go, and now you're having to go. Did now did they win? Did you have to stay with your father for a while, or um, you know, for that period of time, um, I think. Just what the judge had to say. It was like, all right, we're going to evaluate this. Let's keep what's happening the same. Stay where yeah. it is. Okay, gotcha. Uh, which I was very grateful for. There was a period in time where my dad just took me though. He was like, nope, you're coming to my house. And you know, that that was a pretty rough time. I remember like calling the police, just telling him to get me out of there because I was so afraid. Man. I was like, he's not going to let me see my grandparents. I like pulled a knife on my dad and he oh. had to talk me down out of that, you know? Oh. Well, you're um, just a scared kid. I was terrified. Yeah. I didn't know what else to do. Man. You know, and it, it was hard, man. I remember like when I was younger and it was around Christmas time, you know, he, he'd go up and put Christmas lights up on the roof. And I, I used to sit there and pray to God, like, please, God, just let him slip off and break his neck. You know, just get me out of this. Just let him let him die or something, which was awful. You know, I realized it's your that own now. father. Yeah, but that uh, holy, I mean, that right there alone just really says how hard and dark it was for you. At a, th- in, in, you're 13 at this point. Yeah, 13, 14, and that's how you feel. Yeah, and you don't know any better because you're just you're just hurting. Yeah, I was yeah. just scared, man. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know what to do. But you know, custody went on. went on for like nine months, and this is where like I look back and I totally see God's hand in my life. You know. Okay. Um, you know, I, I talked about this a little bit in church the other day, you know, I was over my dad's house and we were going to the movies and I was just in this, this gutter man for like months, you know, I, I was just sad. I was pretty sure that my dad was going to win it. Cause in these cases, the dad almost always wins. Yeah. There's no obvious, uh, cases of abuse that like we can hold against him that he's done to me. Um, it's your biological father. Yeah. He's biological yeah. father. Yep. Um, and seemingly stable, you know, he had a job, he had a house. He had, um, a, he had another son in the home that is now 21, right? That, yeah. I mean, he's okay. Yeah. He, he had moved out at that time, okay. my, my half-brother, but, you know, he and he had just gotten married recently. So it's just like this seemingly stable guy, you know? Um, so we we were like going to the movies that night and they had some live music outside, man. I was just in this, this dark place for so long and I prayed a lot about it. You know, I didn't know much about God. I didn't know much about Jesus, but I prayed all the time. I thought like, if I pray more than my dad, then God's going to, God's going to get me through this, you know? Yeah. So who, who taught you to pray? Um, that's a good question. I don't even know. You so, know, I think we said prayers at dinner and things okay. like that. So I, I kind of had the so basics of knew, communication. You knew, you felt that there, like somebody's listening when I'm talking. Yeah, there had to be. Yeah. There had to be. Awesome. Um, and you know, we were out there and there was some live music outside and I just remember like this lady with the most beautiful voice, you know, she's singing a song and I'm sitting there and we're listening and stuff. And I just remember all of a sudden the tempo of the song changes and she's just like, everything's going to be all right. And, you know, the first time I hear that, I'm like, yeah, right. You know, if you know, knew how things were going in my life yeah. right now, like, no, no they're, they're not. not. Lady, <laughs> be quiet. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pay you to stop singing that line, right? Seriously. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, first time, yeah, right. You know, the second time it, it started hitting me a little deeper and it seemed like she just said that over and over again, like a hundred times, like everything's going to be okay. That's all you were hearing. Yeah. And, you know, I felt so peaceful after that. I let myself smile and be happy. And that was something I hadn't done in a while. And I was laughing and, and just starting to have a good time at that point. Um, That's awesome. It was amazing. And, yeah. and I didn't know it then, but I look back on it now and I was like, that was God. Yeah. That was God. You could just feel it in your heart. Mm-hmm. You, so you were by yourself. 
right at this moment because you walked outside oh my dad was there he was there but, but like i was in my own bubble i guess yeah, you could say yeah you know and you're just like smiling you're you're kind of like you're getting into the music listening to the words and you're just like you're feeling good i felt happy yeah. for the first time in months you That's know awesome. like my situation didn't even even ring a bell to me almost i was just like maybe god was just there just yeah. giving me a hug or something somehow, somehow letting you know you're gonna be okay mm-hmm. that's awesome it, it was great so you know, you know like custody vows they kept going on and like I said, you know, this is not almost an unwinnable case for my grandparents, but they won. Like, from what I understand, my dad just lost it in court. You know, he had this awful temper and he just lost it. No kidding. And they were like, okay, he's not going there, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and uh, so, you know, a lot of hope kind of got me through that. Like I, I talked about the other day, you know, uh, hope it was just such an essential thing. Um, but it was interesting because, like, things weren't just good after that, you know? Like... I, it just changed for you and everything was better. Yeah, like, yeah, right. You know, like, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but there was just so much more to go. That was just the first step. Yeah. You know? let, me, let me pause you real quick. I, so I, I'm curious about this hope at this moment for you. Because um, if I'm looking at this as a, as a young kid being in the middle of this thing right here, I've got no idea what hope even is, mm-hmm. right? I'm just, you're scared. Your mom just died. You don't know where you're going to live. You kind of feel at this point like worthless. Like, what the heck is even happening? How do you feel hope? How like, is it because of that moment listening to that song, and all of a sudden you feel this something in your heart? What what was it that gave you that hope? You, you know, I think that was a very big piece of it. Um, but you know, maybe even bigger to a certain extent was just the love my grandparents had for me at that time. Awesome, like they loved me, and I didn't always have the best relationship with them. Sure, you know, like they put me in YMCA camps when I was younger, and I like wouldn't go, <laughs> and they'd be so mad about it. like we just yeah. paid all this money for this, and now you're not going. Yeah. And, but, you know, I grew to have just an amazing relationship with them because as soon as my mom died, they were like, I think just in their minds, they were saying, we're your parents now yeah, and yeah. we're responsible for you and we're going to we're gonna help you through this. Yeah. Um, so I think just the love that I felt from them was so amazing. Um, and that's, that's another bit of that hope that really just got me through. Yeah. You can, I would imagine for them too, you can take that pain of what happened to your daughter and you can use that pain in a way to turn it around and focus on you, the son, right? Like if you can, if you can somehow make your life better, make sure you're okay, take care of you, then somehow some way that makes them feel a little less pain about the death of their daughter, right? Yeah. Because that's tough on a parent. So I, I can't imagine, you know, I can't imagine there being many things more painful than losing your child, yeah. you know, that you like they brought her into the world and they saw what she was doing and they can't do anything about it. You know, I heard stories where they, they got her to rehab a couple of times, you know, they did the, the old kidnapping thing, you yeah. know, like going to kidnap you and take you to rehab and yep. she'd be good for like a couple of months, but always fall back in, you know, Man, so tough. It, it's so tough. And I look back on my mother too, you know, I think there were times where, you know, there would just be times where just be in the, in the apartment or whatever. And she just break down crying. Be like, Mike, everything's going to be okay. I promise you everything's going to be okay. And I didn't really know what was wrong like what the immediate danger was. Um, she was hurting. She was hurting, man. Oh, so bad. That's substance. Like we, sometimes we look at people that are alcoholics, drug addicts, and we're like, oh, those people are so far gone. You know what? Some of the best hearts I've ever met in my life, when I was an alcoholic, you have a tendency to go try and be, you You, you are you associate with those that have the same amount of light as you. You're attracted to the same amount of light, which means in the dark, you go to the people that are in the same place, right? But I'll tell you what, when you sit and you talk to somebody and you get you get with somebody one-on-one, you usually see a lot of love in that heart and a lot of brokenness. But through brokenness comes love. If if healing can come and it has to be it has to be them regaining their value in their own minds. That shame 
is so hard. It breaks people. And substances can at least free your mind and your guilt and your shame for for a, a few minutes, a few hours. And that's why people keep going to it. It's so hard. So anyway, yes. Um, okay, keep going. So grandma and grandpa, we're yeah. with them now. We're with them now, yeah. yeah. And you know, um, you're and, like 14, like 13, 14. Yeah, 14 yeah, okay. years old at this time. And, you know, I, I actually went to like a private high school over in Maryland called Calvert Hall. And like I had to get into that, you know. Okay. And I was really happy that I did. And, you know, I was like, man, everything is going good. I'm finally with yeah. my grandparents. I got into this high school that I did not think I was going to make it into. Sure. Um, and, you know, like I said, the, the things weren't fixed right away, you know. Yeah. Even though they felt pretty good in that moment. You know, I, I start going to school. And by my sophomore year, it's like I get introduced to someone who's selling drugs. And I, I was like kind of going down that path again, you know, um, and I think in my sophomore year, you know, I, I started like I used once, you know, I remember like I used out in my car and I was so freaked out about it, you know, like I, I had a lighter and a little bit of marijuana and like I ran down the street and threw it down a gutter. I was like, I can't get caught with this crap, you know, no way, no way. Yeah. But then, you know, a month later, it's like, I'm, I'm getting it again. Yeah. And, um, you know, by the time a few months goes by, I'm, I'm using every week and by the end of the year i'm just using every day like every i have day. to use every single day no or else like mentally i just couldn't function oh. i couldn't do it did you have pain in your life at that point i had a lot of unresolved pain okay i had unresolved pain with my mom i had unresolved pain with my dad um i was super insecure you know i got messed with a lot not a lot when i was like elementary school a little sure. bit in middle school until sure. like you know, I remember one time I was getting bullied by a kid and I just, I hit him in the face and then I didn't get messed with anymore, which yeah. isn't the right way to go about it. Yeah. But it stopped kids from messing with me. But I don't know that you had too many people there teaching you though, the right way to go about things. Right? Yeah, not yeah. quite. Yeah. <laughs> so, holy cow, man. Yeah. So, so a lot, I mean, I'm thinking subconsciously, there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of probably some PTSD from your mom, like all this 100%. stuff you went through your mom and you didn't even know it was there, right? You just knew how do you feel value? How do you feel self-worth when everything in life around you is crumbling and you don't know what's going on? Are you still like praying every once in a while at this point in your life? I pray every day. Okay. Yeah. And you were then. Yeah. So even though you were you, like you, going to marijuana, you were still like... Well, a after I like... I was in with my grandparents. You yeah. know, I like, you know, I thank God. Yeah. And then I forgot God, okay. honestly. Okay. Like, so you, know, you thanked him. I got to a good place and here we go. Totally right? forgot yeah. him. Yeah. And I think like to a certain extent, I was just so angry because of everything that happened. Sure. So sad. And I just was like, you know, what, if there is a God, he wouldn't do this to yeah. me sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was kind of like a jerk to God almost, you know? Yeah. It, um, it happens. It happens. It does, you know? And, um, y you know, like with all this underlying trauma that I had, you know, I, I went to therapists, I went to psychiatrists and, you know, when you go to the psychiatrist, there's like, well, here's this medication. Yeah. Oh, that made you like worse. Yeah. Well, double let's the doses. Try, yeah. It or was, let's it was try weird, this you know? one, right? Yeah, yeah. Just a whole bunch of medications yep. got thrown at me, a whole bunch of different diagnoses. Mm. And I don't know if it's like they get a kickback on that or something, but <laughs> <laughs> it's my commission for the month. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Um, so that, that was pretty rough, you know, like, um, Man. so yeah, I, I went through that and, uh, you know, the using just kept getting worse. And then I was taking antidepressant medication. Oh. I was prescribed like antipsychotics at a time and, and sleep pills because I was like, oh, I can't sleep, you know. Um, and I think to that point, I was like, I just want to buzz. Yeah. You know, just something so else. So you were asking for stuff, yeah. Asking for yeah. it, you know. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that the using of, of other drugs, you know, I, I was using marijuana every single day. And as much as I could at the time, I was also using LSD. Okay. Just trying to find things to take me further and further out of my own mindset, I guess. Sure. Um, were they, your grandparents noticing at all? You know, I think they noticed that I was really sad. Yeah. And, and now that you mention it, like maybe, 
maybe they noticed, but they couldn't confront that, you know, like they just lost their daughter. Yeah. Can they go through this again and live? You know, like I could imagine if I were in their shoes, just trying to say like, Oh, nope, it's fine. You know, like he's probably just having a rough day or something or a rough month. And, Mm. You know, because it's hard to confront that at and, that time. And they knew, I mean, they were taking to psychiatrists, they were taking you to, to therapists and, and they're trying to like at least put you in good hands, right? Yeah, they're doing their best. You know, yeah. they, they did everything they can. Were you open with the therapist, psychiatrist about what you were doing in your personal life? No. Yeah. No, hidden. I wasn't. Yeah. 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 I was Keep like, what if this gets back to my grandparents, yep. you know? I can get put in jail for this stuff, right? You yeah. Juvenile detention. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. But yeah. And, and, you know, even outside of using my life was just reckless. You know, I just... I just needed something like some sort of thrill or buzz. You know, I'd go out and take my car and I drive off of like, like steep hills really fast. So I fly in the air yeah. and stuff, you know, and yep. little jump, little jump, little filling in your stomach. Like yep. that. You yep. know, I, I had a series of really bad girlfriends that totally screwed me over uh, to a certain extent. And I wasn't very good to them either. Sure. You know, I wasn't in the place to be so that I, I totally have responsibility sure. that as well. Just broken relationships. Broken. I mean, you're, you're broken humans going into relationships that are of course going to end up broken as well. Right. Yeah. And you're young. And it's interesting how we look in those relationships. We're always, I was always looking for someone like my mom, yeah. which was crazy too. Yeah. Um, well, you missed her. I did. I really did. Yeah. And, you know, I, so I went through my sophomore year using a lot and, you know, during the summer of after my sophomore year, you know, just continuing using bad friends, going out, just coming home, shouldn't be driving sort of things, you know, and man, I, after, at the end of that summer, you know, at that time I was just out of everything. I was out of money. I was out of substances. And like I said, I, I could not function. I had no functionability outside of using because every time I stopped, my mind, my mind started moving again. Mm-hmm. That that trauma I have would just get at me, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I was I was diagnosed with like depression and anxiety and stuff. And man, I, I ran out of substances. And I, I'm always going to remember this day. Well, a piece of this day at least, you know, September fourth, uh, 2017. Um, I was out of everything. School was starting the next day. Did not want to go back. Didn't want to start the school life again. And my mind was just catching up with me. You know, when I just had to find something to use, I go downstairs in the medicine cabinet, I see like the, the Duracell or whatever, you know, the, um, the cough syrup. And I grab that out and I'm like, well, I'll start with one. And I, I go drink that in my bathroom and, um, you know, it gets you high, gets you drunk, whatever it does, you know? And I was like, man, I can just drink the second one and I'll probably die. And I was, you know, especially in that state of mind being so under the influence, I was kind of okay with that almost. Like maybe, maybe that's okay. Yeah. Hmm. So I went and laid in my bed. And I, I don't even remember what got me to do it. Maybe it was God, you know, he just like, I, I said to myself, like, I want someone to talk to. So, you know, I pick up the phone, I call a suicide hotline. I'm like, did you really? I did. Yeah. Good for you. But I said to these guys, I was like, you're too late. I'm about to op- open the second one and drink it. Oh, no kidding. And I don't even remember any more of the conversation with them, but I just remember it seemed like five seconds later, my grandfather yells upstairs like, yo, Mikey, the paramedics are here. That's because that's how my grandfather talked, but seriously police were in my room right did he even that. know what was going on i know he couldn't have i'm guessing like the i don't i i don't remember giving them my address or anything you know but i guess they they called the police and maybe i did that or something i was so under the influence maybe they asked and i was like oh well it's this you know um but you know they, i'm sorry this is like your darkest hour and i'm like it's a, it's a little funny <laughs> your grandpa yeah. yo mikey yeah. hey the paramedics are here to get you man yeah pretty much it's <laughs> how it works you know and yeah like, grandpa i'm up here like oh my gosh well like from an outsider perspective it was kind of funny you know like the police are in my room i'm laughing and stuff like they're trying to put clothes on me you know i can't i'm so under the influence i can't even clothe myself and i'm like trying to walk downstairs and i have to be held that's and, amazing yeah so it, so the, the paramedics come in do they come up to your room uh the police came up to a room and then they okay. I, from what i remember it they took me down to the ambulance and i'm okay. in the back and like okay. Uh, 
Did they? I mean, you were you were pretty out of it. I was pretty out of it. Yeah, <laughs> I remember some things, and like, I'm sure the paramedics knew, like, oh, maybe this guy just tried to kill himself yeah. or something. And I'm like yeah. making jokes with the guy in the back and uh, uh, something trying to laugh. Some, with him. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because you you get you got to that point where you literally were having thoughts of I could end my life right now and be okay with it. Mm-hmm. You're right there on the on the verge of it, right? But there's something inside you that's like no, like like again subconsciously, right? There's something inside you that's like, no, like, cause if for you to be sitting in the back of an ambulance, although you're kind of under the influence, but you're joking, you're laughing. There's something about that where it's like your spirit's like, I don't want, I don't want to go. Yeah. It, it, I think it's definitely like, I don't want to go. And maybe I realize like, oh, this is serious enough to the point where I might actually get help from this. You yeah, know, maybe yeah. that was a piece of it as well. So maybe there's a little joy starting to come in. Cause it's like, people are aware I'm hurting. I'm hurting people and I don't know how to I don't know how to approach this thing. I've never done it before and I'm I'm young. Like what do I do? Help me out here, right? For real, yeah. yeah. And and like I said, yeah, you know, I'll probably say this a lot more times, just total god thing, yeah. you know. Yep. And I remember they they took me to the hospital, you know, they hook an IV up to me. They like they strapped me down to the bed because I guess I was like a suicide risk, you know, and they had this guy come and sit with me, a really nice guy. Well, you called the suicide hotline. Yeah, you know, it's like (laughs) understandable precautions at that point, you know. I'm sitting there in the hospital bed. I like watch Kung Fu Panda and The Incredibles and stuff. And, you know, everything was feeling okay until, you know, you start coming down from that. Yep. And then like you're sitting in the hospital and I couldn't believe what had just happened. The mess comes back. You got school coming up, man. Yeah. You know, I, I thought I did. Yeah. <laughs> so like after that, you know, I, I watched the movies and stuff. I don't even, I don't think my grandparents could even come see me. Um, they came in with like another sort of gurney thing, you know, when they put me on it and they, they strapped me down to that one too. And they put me in the back of another van and they took me to a place over there. It's like a psych ward. I'd been there a couple of times before just outpatient, but sure. they, you know, they took me there inpatient you middle of the night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Put me in a room, put me in like a cell, yeah. you know, um, man, and yeah, that was pretty rough, man. Those places are scary. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You hear some things you, you don't want to hear. I mean, it's, yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. God, buddy, this is crazy. And this is honestly from where you're at right now, this is only like five years ago. Yeah. You know, and it feels like a lifetime ago. Sure. It does not feel like it was just five years ago. Yeah. Um, it doesn't even feel like it was me most of the time. It feels yeah. like it was just someone else. Yeah. Okay. Go to, go to the psych ward. What, like what happened? How so long were you there? I was there for seven days. Okay. Thankfully short stay. That was like their maximum stabilization sure. stay, you know, and they try and teach you some skills. Uh, it's just like, okay, this kid's in a situation where he's, his life probably isn't going to last much longer. Let's take him out for seven days at least yeah. until something else can be worked out, you know? And, um, at that point in time, my, my grandparents would come visit me every once in a while, um, as much as they could, you know? So probably they were there twice and, yeah. uh, my aunt and uncle as well. And I'm really glad my aunt and uncle came. Um, I remember they were talking to me one time. They're like, Mike, you just got to stop this stuff. And I, I said the following thing, and I'm very, very happy I said it because it changed my life. I, I looked my uncle in the face and said, I'm going to be here for seven days. I'm going to get out, and I'm going to do the exact same stuff, and there's nothing that you can do about it. And he really did not like that I said that. Yeah. Um, so he was like, well, maybe there is something I can do about it. He started calling around, and uh from a friend of a friend of a friend who had a daughter who went to this place out in Utah and she turned out to be a doctor and turned out really well, you know? So uncle started making phone calls. Uncle started making phone calls because yeah. you said that right there. Because I because said that. you were honest. Uh huh. You said, Hey, like what's going to change for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm, I'm so grateful. I said that, you know, so maybe next day they came back in they were like, yeah, you're not going home. You're going out somewhere. You got, you got to get help. And, it was weird. I remember for like the first minute of that, you know, I went back to my little cell and I yeah. like punched a wall with so angry. I was like, can't believe this. But then I sat down on the bed and I just, I just accepted like that. And I was like, I need this. So you actually, at that point were like, 
I, I want to have a good life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. And this is when I was like 17 years old, you know? Yeah. Um, so I get out of sh- this place, Shepherd Pratt. Um, and that night, you know, we go, we have dinner. I have my best friend over who helped me out through a lot of hard times as well. Um, did you, were you with your aunt and uncle or with your grandparents? I was with my aunt and uncle. I went okay. back to their house yeah, yeah, that yeah. night. Good. What's, what are their names? Uh, Bill and Ann. Awesome. Yeah, that's a good, good thing to put out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll make sure they, they get a chance to hear this cause it'll mean a lot to them. I think so. Yeah. Um, and you know, we had dinner and the next day, like 5 a.m. getting up and you know, my uncle, he, he actually got us a first class flight. Cause I was oh, like, cool. I got to get him out of here yeah. right now. And, and that's what was available. Yeah. And we came out, you know, we come out to Utah and we went to this awesome burger joint in like Salt Lake, I think it was. Which called, one? Do you uh, remember? Rick's Burger Joint. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, it was so good, man. It was like, and I was just happy. Yeah. Man, that was just like one of the best times I had with my uncle. I knew I was going to treatment. Yeah. I knew that uh, it was not going to be easy, but I was just so happy. What was he saying to you? Was he kind of like, was he giving you like a good pep talk or like, Hey, like, you know, I know life's been hard. Is he, is he talking to you kind of like a dad would like getting his kid ready? Yeah. You know, he, he was actually a really good father figure in my life. You know, we, I go in his room and we'd talk at night in his office. And, um, at this time I, I think he, I don't remember it a whole lot, honestly. Yeah. I yeah. Just remember the feeling, but I think he was, you know, kind of giving me a bit of a pep talk, like, Hey, you're going to do this. You need this. And we love you. He's putting value back in you. Yeah. For this real. is for you. Like, this is to help you get going. Yeah. And now yeah. I look back on it. It's just like, man, this guy loved me. Yeah. You know? I, I had low self-worth at the time. Yeah. Oh, well, how, man, how can, how can you have good self-worth? Yeah. I, you know, I, I just, I didn't feel the love a lot, but I felt the love that day. You I, know, I'd and, imagine you felt very alone. Yeah. And now you've got a guy that's like actually flying out there with you to take you there and this is going to be a good thing for your life because they know they've had success with someone else that they were connected to. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was just a huge blessing. Went there. We went and talked to the uh, the program director, just amazing guy, Lee Caldwell. Um, and we talked and, you know, he kind of gave me the rundown of the program. And, um, you know, we were getting ready to leave. And my uncle, you know, I could tell he, he was, my Bill, he was on the verge of tears, you know. Was he? And I was like... I remember thinking to myself, I cannot cry right now because what if he changes his mind? Like, I need this. I can't cry. And I was on the verge of it too, you know? Yeah. Um, and and he left. He, he cried for you though, man. He that did. had to feel good. It did. Because it's like somebody somebody loves me. I couldn't. I wanted to cry, but I could not wipe the yeah. smile from my face. I was so freaking happy. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I'm sure that he, that probably helped him mm-hmm. knowing that you, like, you were going to be okay. He, he knew I needed it. Yeah. He really did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, they, they go and they sit me down in like this little small group room. They just kind of throw me into it. And I, I met some of the students and stuff. I go downstairs and I meet the students and you, you know, first day went really well. Um, second day woke up and I remember waking up just thinking like, I bet if I jumped off this bunk bed right now and landed on my neck, like I could die. Like just all these things come to my head. Like I can't be here. I can't do this. I can't use, I need, I need something, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I go throughout that morning, but that, that was actually relatively short lived. Thank God. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is they almost didn't take me. This place was not ready to take me because I was 17 and 10 months, 18. You can just leave. Oh, um, and they were like, why should we take risk this kid to, to go? He's, yeah. He's just going to leave when he turns 18. And my uncle said to him, Oh no, he'll stay. And he, he had a talk with me. He was like, so if you decide to leave, um, you better start walking West because California is a lot closer than Maryland. Cause I had another uncle out in California. There's nowhere out here for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're not coming back. Yeah. Um, so, and my time there was actually amazing. Yeah. I absolutely love that program. It was tough. You know, like you get there, you cannot listen to music. You can't talk about music. You have to have three people in every conversation that you have. And one of them has to be like a certain stage in the program. Um, and just all, all these rules, you can't make eye contact with anyone. And if you do, you have to inform, you can't touch anyone. If you do, you have to inform, don't talk to any of the girls, you know? 
um, just this kind of intense program, man. But I needed that structure. structure. Yeah, yeah. Right there. And, and with structure comes accountability. Mm-hmm. And, and you came from a home where there wasn't any. So all of a sudden, accountability is when we start to recognize that there's accountability and we are the ones that choose. I don't know if there's a more powerful thing that happens in our lives and our minds where it's like, hey, I'm the one that decides what kind of life I have. And then you start holding yourself accountable. You start moving forward. That's mm-hmm. awesome. A hundred percent. Because for so long, you know, like my problems, my dad's fault. My problems, I, I didn't acknowledge it for a long time, but my mom's fault. Yeah. And it was always someone else's mess and someone else always had to clean it up. But as soon as I finally understood, like, this is my mess, I realized I can clean it up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It does not have to be this way. Yep. You know? <laughs> That's powerful, man. It's so powerful. And, you know, so like the way they did stages there, you know, um, you know, you get there, you're in orientation, you're oriented into the program. Once you start learning some stuff about yourself, you become an awareness. And once you're an awareness, you're, you're more aware of your issues. And then you move up, you're a discovery, you're discovering solutions, then your responsibility, ah, you become responsible for yourself. I like it. And a little bit of responsibility over the group. Then your leadership and responsibility is where most people like they, they cradle, they call yeah. it, which is your graduation ceremony. Sure. Um, some people will make it to leadership. You go and and you're a leader over the group, you know, you're, you're doing that. And the last stage is integrity and you can't do any, like, you know, the other ones you do assignments to get to them and you request it. Sure. Um, Integrity, they give it to you if you feel like you've earned it. Yeah. You know, so I get there, went through awareness, orientation, stuff like that. And what's interesting is I felt really good the whole time I was there for the most part. I didn't really start working though until I was probably six months into it out of the 14 months, you know, when I really started doing the work. Um, and that's interesting. Yeah. And I, I moved up really well. I did amazing in that environment. You know, they, at night in the rooms, you know, you're not supposed to talk about anything. And one night, like I, I was 18. So I slept in a separate room Yeah. and the kids next door, like they were cussing up a storm and stuff. And I had to, I felt so bad about it. I didn't want to say anything. Cause I was like, I don't want to be a snitch or anything. Yeah. But I also knew that if I wasn't holding these guys accountable, like how am I going to start the process of holding myself accountable, I you know? It. And I what's, it. what's it going to do for me if I'm not holding these guys accountable? That's good. So I said something about it, you know, and uh, they like moved mm. me up stages and stuff, you know, they gave me what's called a, well, I'm not going to get into it because it's hard to explain if sure. you're, unless you're there, but you know, they moved me up stages and these kids hated me for a little while, but <laughs> we, when they left, we were great friends. I was going to say, usually at first, hey, but then you catch on and you get it and you yeah. start to see that like, hey, I can be accountable too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Way we, to go. It, it was really important for me. That was a big step, you know, because, you know, I, at the time I was kind of working on holding myself accountable, but, you know, holding others accountable was a huge piece of that. Yeah. Um, and in the end, they, they were better off for it too, yeah. which I'm really glad for. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So. <laughs> and tell me, tell me real quick, name of the school. Uh, Stillwater Academy. Stillwater Academy. Yeah. Awesome. So one, one really uh, kind of a funny story, you know, I was, uh, I graduated high school there. So they'd let me start taking the bus to go to Salt Lake Community College. Awesome. Like I gained some trust with them. Yeah. You know? They were like, he's doing good. Um, and I went there and like, you know, they have all these privileges, like money privileges. You can't have money. Don't take money no for kidding. anything. Huh? No kidding. I remember like, uh, my, my therapist, she gave me three bucks for the bus. And she's like, if you don't come back and show me like a receipt or something, then you're going all the way back to the first stage and oh. you're restarting, you know? So I, you know, went and bought a bus pass and everything. But one time I was there, um, I was walking down the hall and they had like this, uh, this hacky sack thing, you know, the lady said, all right, here's three hack sacks. Each one you throw in, you get a dollar. And I was like, I don't have money privileges, but I'm out here. I'm doing good anyway. So I, I do it and I get three bucks and I bought an orange juice with it. 
And dude, I took a sip of that orange juice and I felt awful. You really? I felt so bad. Like you were, I, you, hey, you were a man of integrity at that point, right? I, I was. I yeah. just lied. Like I couldn't handle it, man. I threw away the orange juice. I couldn't even focus in my classes because, like, I was like, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> Which seems so small. It's like I just bought an orange juice, you know? Yeah. Um, but I get back to the school and you know they they drug test you and you get back just to make sure you didn't do anything sure. bad. So they drug test me. I'm like I messed up, guys. And this one therapist just <gasps> looked at me. He was like, Did you kiss her? And I was like, No, no, nothing like that. <laughs> I was like, I. I feel so bad. I bought an orange juice with some money that I won in a game and I took a sip of it and I threw it away and they weren't like really mad about it. They were like, well, t- tomorrow morning in behavioral management group, we want you to tell the group what you did and take accountability. And I did and nothing came from it after that um, for a while, you know, and then they have this thing called parents day there. And my uncle would always come out for parents day. And How cool. Yeah, it was, it was so great. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're, we're outside, we're eating some food. Everyone's parents are there. All the other students are there, all the staff. And, they grab a microphone like, Mike, why don't you come up here and say a few words, you know? And at this point in time, I was at the responsibility stage. Sure. Um, so, you know, the next two stages would be leadership and then if you earn it, integrity. Uh, come up and tell people about your your time in the program. And I talk a little bit, you know, I just talk about how all the other kids are just so amazing, how, you know, we go through so much stuff in life to get there. And then we learn these amazing skills that we don't have the opportunity to learn anywhere else. Um, and I glance over and there's like, um, my uncle was, he was there too, but it was my therapist. Actually, she was sitting there and she had a bottle of orange juice in her <laughs> hands and I was like, what's she doing? And then I, I keep talking and stuff like that. And then she pulls out this green vest, which is like the integrity vest, you know, okay. for that final stage. Yeah. And she came up and she put that on me and everyone was clapping. And I, that was the time when I almost cried. You know, yeah. I still wasn't like really there yet, yeah. but I actually skipped a stage. I skipped the leadership stage and went, went straight, straight to the integrity, to integrity stage. No kidding. Uh, and Good for you. I think a part of that was, you know, like I, this is the first time I've ever completed anything in my life. Like school did not try, um, sports, you know, I, I played them. I usually left like halfway through the season or something like that. Cause I didn't want to do it anymore. Uh, most of my relationships failed. This was the first thing I ever completed in my life. And one time I was sitting down with my uncle and my aunt and my therapist. And I just remember talking to him like, look, I'm, I'm not here just to, to do the basics. I'm here to stand out and I'm here to give it my all. I've never completed a thing in my life and this would be the first thing I've completed and I want to complete it because I know it's going to set the course for the rest of my life. And that was a big moment for me. Just, I was saying it to them, but really I was saying it to myself, yeah. like, Michael, this is what you got to yep. do, you know? Holding yourself accountable. Yeah. This is it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was so important. That's awesome. Um, and also, so another amazing thing that came from going to this program. So the way they do housing there, they don't do like dormitories. You know, you go to a different family's house every night that works there. Um, and I went to one family's house, the Taylors, like almost all the time because they had a separate room that I had to sleep in since I was 18. And, um, so I went there all the time and like, it probably was seven months in or so of me actually being there. They were like, Hey, you know, once you graduate, you can live here if you want. And I was like, Oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Going back to Maryland, like wouldn't be good. And I didn't really fully understand that that was happening until I was about to leave. Yeah. And like, you know, in my therapy sessions, they would come and we'd work stuff out for how I was going to live there talking about my past family life and the transference that would occur. And then it hit me like, Oh my gosh, this is actually happening, yeah. you know? Um, so I ended up moving in with them. And I, I remember one time, um, they were dropping me off at college and I didn't have their phone numbers yet. You know, I just got a phone. And at that time I was calling them Mel and Scott. Yeah. Is that their names? Yeah. And they gave me a little paper with both their numbers on it and they put mom and dad. That's awesome, uh, man. Dude, I didn't even know how to respond to it. Honestly, at first it kind of freaked me out. I yeah. was like, oh, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> Guys, this is weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah. within a couple of weeks, I, I was calling them mom and dad, you know? You felt and loved. I felt loved, man. And love like I would never know. And later, probably like a year later, so I found out because um, it's crazy, right? Like, yeah. you know, a kid goes to this program and these people do housing for them and they house hundreds of kids, just hundreds. And then one comes over and they're like, oh yeah, you, you can live with us and you can call us mom and dad. Yeah. Um, 
it just sounds kind of insane well, almost. And, and it's especially for where you've come from. Yeah. Right? Like, like no one no one in your life up to this point, your grandparents and your aunt and uncle loved you. But there was still there was so much that you'd been through with your mom and your your dad that it's like, how do you even one when someone someone you don't know that well comes to you and is like after months obviously, but like, hey, we love you. You know, like we you can call us mom and dad. Like that's that's a that's amazing. Yeah. But also from the background you come from, that's one of those things where it's like, what is happening right now? Yeah, because it's just it's not something you would ever think of happening. Yeah. And later I found out, my mom told me, she was like, you, you know why we did this? I said, no, I don't. She said, God told me to. And that that blew my mind. And at the time, I still was not a member of the church. I yeah. didn't know much about it. You know, they didn't push it on me. They yep. were just like, if you want to meet with missionaries, that'd be cool, you know. It's up to you. Um, but it's up to you. And uh, that, that hit me hard. You had to get, you had to gain that trust. Because mm-hmm. who did, who could you trust at this point besides your uncle? No one, man. Like my, my grandparents to a certain extent, yeah. like my uncle more because I just, I talked to him more, yeah. you know, we had that relationship. But you, but all the people that you came into this world to be with, one was gone, like you didn't have any trust. Yeah. So you had to learn how to trust. Yeah. It was hard. You know, the people like that were supposed to take care of me when I was younger couldn't do it. And that, that's, that's a painful thing. And um, it was just, it's just so amazing how things turned out, you know, like when you're in it, it's like, oh yeah, this is, this is a really good thing. But then when you look back on it and you see just the roadmap of it, it's like, this had to be God. There was no other way that this could have worked out the way that it has worked out. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. You see the mountains that have moved for you, but you don't see them when you're walking towards them, huh? Not even yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so amazing. Yep. I, I see it all now. Now, now they... The Taylors, and remind me of their first names again. Mel and Scott. I haven't, because of coronavirus, I haven't had a chance to get to know them yet. They're in our neighborhood. But did they live in Saratoga at that point, or were they up in... They lived in Saratoga, yeah. They lived, okay. when I started uh, the program, they lived just like five minutes up the road. Oh, okay. Um, but then they moved over here to a new house that gotcha. they were, wouldn't be renting. You know? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, keep going. Um. Yeah, so it's just amazing how that worked out, you know, and from that point on, it's like, you know... uh one night we were at like a devotional, I think it was a Christmas dinner thing, you sure. know, and we saw the missionaries. They're just like, oh, they're the missionaries. And that night I told her like, hey, mom, I want to meet with the missionaries. Um, and I'm always going to remember the missionaries that gave me the discussions. Elder Cooper, Elder Deacons. I absolutely love those guys. You'll never forget them. Never forget them. They used to come over to our house. We would like, you know, have a discussion. they tell me what to read. And then like we'd eat dinner and we'd wrestle and, <laughs> and it was just so much fun. That's man. awesome. I loved it. And I would go on splits with them too. Yes. I thought that was really great. So it was my first few like missionary moments. Yeah. Um, just amazing guys, you know, and after the first meeting, I was like, I'm going to get baptized. And I'll be honest, like I, I had read the book of Mormon. I had not prayed about it yet, Yeah. but I knew this is what I had to do. I just felt it. I felt drawn to it. I was like, this is where I'm supposed to go. You could see your whole life changing. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and also part of it was like, man, my family's LDS and they're just such amazing people. This has got to be my path, you know? Um, so I got baptized and that was just, of course, an amazing experience. And of course, with that, it also enables me to be sealed to my family. You yeah. know, legally, I can now be sealed. That's so cool. Um, and that's that's what I said to the judge in the uh, bap- in, not in the baptism, but uh, in the the adoption uh, courtroom. You know, it was like, why do you want to do this? You know, because I got to ask, like, is there some sort of financial gain you're looking for? Because if so, it's like, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, you know, I know this is my family, and I want to be sealed to them. Um, and that actually happened like two weeks ago. I got sealed to my family. Oh. It's amazing. It was amazing, man. It was just a beautiful experience. The week before that, I got my endowments, um, which was also just an absolutely amazing yeah. experience. Um, but yeah, looking back on it, just the way that all this has panned out, it was just, it's so beautiful. And um, I mentioned this a little bit in my talk as well, and I don't want to give too much away because my patriarchal blessing, but what sure. it says in there is like, you know, b- before this life and the pre-mortal life, I knew that I would have goodly parents. Um, 
which shows me like this was my path that the family I was born to was a surrogate family. They were not the family that I was going to be with all my life. And I think a lot of times that, um, that heavenly father was like, all right, I'm going to get into this spot where he has this family. I'm going to get him there, whatever it takes. And then it's on him. Then it's his choice. And I, I hope that I'm making him proud. You know, I, I, I believe I am, you know, I talk with God every day and, uh, but just looking back on it, it's just, it's just the most amazing thing. And I'm so, so unbelievably grateful for it. You absolutely are making him proud, man. No, there's no doubt about it. Like amazing stuff. So, um, tell me, tell me this. So you get ready to go on a mission, right? Like all of a sudden you, you're like, yeah, I want to go. That choice is totally mine. I want to go. Tell me about your relationship with your aunt and uncle out in Maryland right now. It's good. You know, yeah. I call them, um, at least once a month. Sure. You know, my, my uncle, he's really proud of me and what I've done. My yeah. aunt, she, she's proud of me. And, yeah. you know, I think to a certain extent they see it too. Like this, this was God, yeah. you know, they, they know they were so thrilled with the adoption. They were so thrilled with the whole process. Uh, they loved it. So my relationship with them right now is really good. That's awesome. I mean, you, you're going to go out there into Texas and you're going to do some amazing things to change and bless people's lives. And I can only imagine how they're going to feel about you when you get home. It's going to be a powerful thing for them to see you and who you've become. So, um, tell me, tell me relationship with God at this point. Um, have you had that moment where you're like, you just feel like him letting you know that like you are loved and you there, I, do you see, do you, do you see, this is what I needed you to go through this? Like you are so valuable to me. Do you, have you felt that yet? Yes. Yeah, I have. And I actually have another little story, you know, yeah, please. With, with the mission, I almost didn't go. Okay. Um, six, seven months ago, I don't know. I was working at doTERRA. Yeah. Uh, I was working in their warehouse and you know, it's, it's definitely on me. However, yeah. the environment I was in was bad, you sure. know, like just anti-church guys, ex-members of the, of the church too, which I feel like is kind of hard because they throw the anti-material yeah, at yeah. you. Um, and I got to a point where I didn't want to go. And this oh. one guy I worked with, you know, he, he used a lot of marijuana and I was like, man, I could, I could kind of get back into that, you know? Um, and I started almost on that path. Yeah. I did not relapse. I came kind of close a couple of times, but yeah. I didn't do it. But yeah. I just remember that time and I was miserable. Like three months of just pure misery. I'd come home. I'd go to bed at like eight o'clock at night, wake up, go to work, come home, go to sleep, dark, losing my relationship with my family. And that's one thing that addiction will do to you. Yes. You know, like it, once it starts creeping back, rearing its ugly head, you know, things, everything else kind of goes away. I remember telling myself, like, I just got to get through this moment of sadness to get back to thinking about the addiction, you know, and get back to getting closer just to being able to use again. Um, and I remember telling my mom one night we were going to pick up my sister. I have, I have five new siblings, by the way. I, I didn't mention that before. But, I love uh, it. I was going, we were going to pick up my sister and I told her, and she was struggling through this time too. She knew something was wrong. And I was getting back to that point where just depression beyond belief, you really? know, just those times where I was like, man, I just don't know if I can do this. I sometimes just feeling so sad to the point where I just didn't want to go another day. Yeah. Um, I told my mom that night, like there is no fiber of my being that wants to go on a mission because, you know, in order for me to be able to use, I, at that point in time, I was pretty darn sure that the church was true. Yeah. Um, in order for me to get back to that addiction, I, I had to denounce that. I had to say like, I, I never once was saying like, oh, Christ isn't real. I, I wouldn't let myself go there because I think a big piece of me knew that he was. Yeah. But I, I denounced the church to a certain extent um, so I could try and justify using. But I told her that night that, and we walked around, we drove around the corner and I got this message on my phone from a girl who I hadn't talked to in maybe like a few months, six months, something like that. We just didn't talk anymore. And she was getting ready to go on a mission. She said, Hey, Michael, I'm getting ready to go on my mission. And I want to talk to you about missionary work. And at that time, it just hit me. Like I felt the spirit so strongly and I almost felt God maybe wanting to like hit me upside the head or something. I don't know, but I just felt it so strongly. I, after I got that text, I said, mom, I'm going on a mission. 
seriously, like a 20 minute change. I said, I'm going. And she was so surprised. Like she was happy, of course, but she's like, what the heck brought this on? You know? <laughs> um, but I just felt that communication from God. Like, I got to go. This is true. And next day I went into work. I told those guys like, Hey, I'm going on a mission. I don't ever want to talk about this stuff with you guys again. You know, and I put in my two weeks notice right after that as well. Cause I knew I just couldn't work there. Anymore. Good for you. I mean, so did they, did they respect that? Yeah. You know, they pretty much just didn't talk to me at all, yeah. <laughs> you know, after that. Yeah. And I was, I was kind of cool with that, yeah. you know, cause it was so bad for me. It's what, what's interesting, whether you're a member of the church or not, one of the most important things that you learn in your life is you've got to surround yourself with who you want to be. Right. And, and if, if you surround yourself with people that are not really growing, becoming something better than they are, trying to learn, trying to grow, trying to love better, grow in compassion, um, energy, right? Then you're going to go backwards. It, nobody is immune to going backwards. Mm-hmm. Nobody. And it's interesting how we learn that in phases of our life, no matter what we do. And I love, I love that you recognized it and you were courageous enough to quit your job because I believe that those are the things that we, we, we get confronted with. And because of fear, like as if God's not going to help us get a new job, if we really needed it, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, I can't do that because I have a job and I can't leave my job because that's how I make my money to pay my bills. Who are we to think if we believe in God that he's not going to help us find a new job. Yeah, seriously, especially if that environment's just hurting you, you know? Right. He he loves us so much, he's going to give us another opportunity if that's what we need. And he sees us make that choice for the right reasons, and you better believe that door is going to open. It's going to be a better opportunity for you than the one that you were just currently in. Definitely. I love that. That's good. And and, and my mom and my dad, you know, they're both really spiritual rocks for me. Um, At this point in time, it was my mom again, you know, she just got this this uh, spiritual message, I guess you could say, you know, like we, we were having an argument about things one night and I she, love that you guys argue. Oh yeah. We <laughs> That's do. Awesome. Yeah, we do. We have to, you know, yeah, like, we, it's we a family. Both, yeah. Yeah. But my, my siblings, my dad get frustrated with sometimes. Like, I just argue, <laughs> but like, it's just something we kind of do yeah. sometimes. Yeah. So, but we love, well, each other, then we though. forgive and then we love, right? And it's, uh-huh. it's hot. I mean, we love each other through the arguments. That's the thing. That's, that's the beauty of a family. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Love is the underlying, you know, foundation of everything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. good. And uh, she, she got this message like, get him out of that job and get him on a mission. And she told me that too. And, you know, I I just knew that it was true. I knew that that, that message she got was true. I love it. Mm-hmm. So cool. What what amazing people your parents are. Now, now tell me, you've got five siblings? Five siblings, yeah. Now, are they adopted as well? No, they're all biological. No kidding. Yep. So has it been fun for you to go and just feel like part of the family? You know, it, it's been hard and yeah. fun, you know. I never had younger siblings before, and with my older siblings that I had, just totally different relationships, you know. Um, but for the most part, it's just been amazing. Yeah. Just building these relationships, and like I, you know, my my siblings' ages. You know, my brother he's sixteen now. Okay. Sister fourteen. I have four sisters. Um, one sister fourteen, one sister thirteen, and then eleven, and then eight. Yeah. Almost eight. She turns eight uh, in a month. And just the love that those kids feel, you they know, wrap like, their arms around you. it's just amazing. That's like, awesome. that's just something I never experienced before. And I didn't understand it. You yeah. Know? Like, what is this? Is this fake? Is, yeah. this, like, is, this, is this like a setup? Just like, I don't get it. You yeah. Know? And they're just such what kind of weird kids. movie is, are we in right now? Seriously. <laughs> right? I did not get it. Yeah. Um, but man, just the, such loving kids, you know, and you know, little brother, you know, we, we, we argue sometimes we get into it, yeah. but man, he's helped me grow so much, you know, like to an, to an unbelievable amount to a point where it's hard for me to describe. Um, he's just, he's a really good brother. You know, we, we definitely butt heads, you know, we compete and stuff. That's the siblings do. Um, but he, he's helped me a ton. I love it, man. That good stuff. Now tell me when you go on your mission. 
Uh, I, I start the MTC next Wednesday okay. uh, at home MTC, and I will officially leave, I'm pretty sure, as of right now, March 22nd. Are you excited? Uh, I am very excited. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited for it. What, uh, what, do, you, what do you expect when you get out there? Um, you know, I, I've been keeping my expectations pretty low. I have a lot of hopes. You know, I, I just want to have good companions. I want guys that just want to get out there and do the work. And I hope that I stay with this enthusiasm ready to do the work, you know, because it's easy for me to say right now, like, oh yeah, I want to get out there. I want to work. I want to just give it my all like, like you were talking about. And, um, you, you know, so I hope I keep that enthusiasm. I hope my, uh, my fellow companions will be able to just match that with me, you know, and work with me and that we can work through our issues. Cause you know, there's going to be issues. It's relationships. Yeah. And, um, you know, I hope to make some lifelong friends and, you know, I, I don't want to get out there, you know, well, it'd be amazing to get out there and baptize everyone. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like just lines at the uh, yep. baptismal yep. font, you know, come on in. In the cold um, water. Cause it's been out there all day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But also I just have an understanding like, well, that that's not necessarily how it will be, but you know, just hoping that God is going to lead me and my companions, the people that are ready to receive the gospel and hoping that through obedience and faith, and hope and diligence and virtue and all those amazing Christ-like attributes, God is going to use us as instruments in his hand to bring people to his gospel. Cause that's a very important thing to me, no matter how good my testimony is, no matter how um, relatable my story is or my companion's story is, my testimony and my story is never going to turn an investigator into someone who's finally saw the truth. It will always be the testimony of the spirit. And our job as missionaries is to bring that testimony to the people, that undeniable feeling of like, this is the truth. And no matter what, I can't deny that. And I'm going to get baptized and just hopefully keeping them to endure to the end and make it there and make it to the celestial kingdom with us, you know, where I can see those people again. Um, It is always going to be the spirit that does that. And I just really want to be a good instrument in his hands to bring that to come to pass. I love it, man. I'm feeling the spirit right now. uh, I'll tell you what. There's nothing that you aren't prepared for, right? So you want to go out there and you want to baptize the whole world, right? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I, I think every every kid when they go out, and every young man when they go out on a mission, that's exactly the first thought. Um, your challenges are, challenges are going to come. Absolutely. But you have been through more difficult challenges than any phenomenal missionary that I've ever heard has been through. You'll know how to face them. You'll be, you'll hang in there. You'll help some of your companions get through some of their battles that they've never experienced things that are, or are that painful. You have, you've been through some things. You'll be tested for sure out there. No doubt. You have to be. And that's how we grow, right? Right. If it's not because of the trial and those dark, hard, challenging things, then we never really get to that point where we see the beauty of it and we have to see the beauty of it. And, um, I just, man, I'm, I'm so thrilled. You, you are, you've been prepared, you know, and, and I, I, I feel so bad for your mom and your dad and what they've been through. Um, you you know, your mom losing her life and all that and, and what you went through as you experienced that all. But, but there are so many people that are just in pain <clears throat> and, and I think of the savior, right? You're going to be out sometimes knocking doors, sometimes give, giving referrals. You're going to be face to face with people that are probably in very much the same position as your mom and dad were, right? Your mom, you're going to come across addicts and now you're going to have a compassion for them that you can reach them in a level where many people can't. God can use you to do that. Um, go find them, go love them, go put your mom in your thoughts and say, Hey, you know, like I want you to see me. I want you to know how much I love you. 
And I, you know, I, I'm sure you don't blame your mom for everything that happened. I, I can't, you know, it's, it's the addiction. I've been there myself and I know that's, that's not what she wanted. You know, she had those moments of clarity where I think she realized how, how bad it was. And, you know, when, when you're in it that deep and you can't let go, you know, you, you live with that till you die with that. Yeah. And there's just almost nothing you can do. Yeah. My prayers, you, you feel her close while you're out there. I'm, I'm sure you will. I, anyway. Um, <clears throat> okay. So I got a couple questions for you. This is, God, what an amazing story, man. And you're so young still. It's amazing to me. <clears throat> um, tell me, tell me like with your grandparents, they're still, they're, they're alive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're still alive. They're alive. Your, your aunt and your uncle. Um, when you talk to them, are you like, hey, you know, I'd, I'd like to, when I get back from my mission at this point, they know you're going on a mission, right? Um, when you get back, are you are you going to try and reconnect with them? What does that look like? Um, you know, I, I was really hoping to get out and see them before I went on my mission. Sure. You know, they're older and COVID's happened right yeah, now. It's so weird. Um, so I, I, unfortunately, I'm pretty bummed about it. I didn't get a chance to go out and see them. Um, but I talk to him every week, just about, you know, I call my grandmother and talk with her, talk to my grandfather. Awesome. I, and I, I pray and hope that I will get a chance to see them again, you know, cause they're, they're getting older and I love them very much. And, uh, I, I definitely want to be able to see them again. They're proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. They're very proud of me, you know, and, um, they, they see it too. Yeah. You know, they just see the journey and, and how just unbelievable it is and how God just had his hand in it. The, the, um, when they listen to this, cause they're going to listen, um, Bill, remember, remember your aunt's name. Anne. So Bill and Anne. Bill and Anne, I just need you to know that, like, I mean, talk about light in the eyes. And like when you spoke in church, the spirit was just so strong. I mean, it, like powerful. And you could see that God had his hand in your life very clearly. And um, you're going to be used to really reach some people that just need to feel value and feel loved. And that's what it's all about, man. We're a big family here on earth. And he uses people that are willing to go to places to help people that are struggling and hurt and broken and been through hard things to help them feel love and value again. That's what the savior did. He went to those who were hurting, who were addicted, who were struggling, you know, lost in sin because their hearts were broken, whatever it was they went through. And he went to give them value, to teach them, to help them see life in a better way. And to realize that you don't have to be perfect to start taking accountability. Um, start, serving other people get outside yourself serve other people and things happen like light comes into your life you feel joy you don't even have to have very much in fact the less the less you have sometimes the happier you are it's crazy how that works um going off on a tangent here so let, let's get back on track um what tell me um if you could see your mom today what would you say to her that's a good question you know i actually had a bit of an assignment like this when i was in boarding school and it was one of the most amazing assignments I had. Um, and in that assignment, I'll kind of go off with that a little bit. You know, one of the first things I said is like, I am really upset with you, you know, because in the moment, it's like, it's hard, you know, just, just not having a mom growing up or, you know, it's almost, it's really hard just having one there that's not really there, you know, but, the, and also just having this understanding of my life, I'd probably tell like, I understand and I forgive you. I cannot blame you for what happened. It was hard. And I know that you suffered so much as well. We both suffered. Um, and also just let her know, like, I know it was all for a reason. You know, perhaps up there right now, she, she can see why everything happened the way it did. And I would just want her to know, like, I know that. And just that I love her. And I'm grateful for what she did give me. Because it wasn't just empty, you know, she loved me. And she gave me some very good life experience. Um, so, yeah, I just I just tell her I love her and I understand and I forgive her. 
she'll she'll see you she'll see you yeah while you're out there gotta go and gotta go and do a baptism for the dead you know i covid haven't gotten that done yet yeah mm-hmm. yeah she'll uh you'll feel you'll feel it tell me your dad what would you say to him um you know he's still alive and yeah. uh you know i have not talked to him in years but I've decided that I am going to give him a call before I go on my mission. Good. Um, I don't know how that's going to go. Maybe I should have done it beforehand, right? Like it's a good story for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. We'll do it when you get home. How there about that? Yeah. yeah. How to um, go with your dad. Start from there and then tell us about your mission. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to give him a call and, you know, I don't know how it's going to go. I wrote him a letter a while ago. Good. I don't think it, it got through, t- through to him. You know, it was more like a therapeutic letter. Yeah. Um, and a- anytime I have sent him a letter otherwise, it's like he, he doesn't believe it's me. You know, he's like, someone else wrote this or, or someone made you write this sort of thing, you know, and <laughs> you're being brainwashed out there. In dude, Utah. <laughs> exact words, man. He, he thinks I was brainwashed by my grandparents. He doesn't actually know where I am right now. Oh, okay. You know, it was just, I got you. just that kind of sort of thing, you know? And, um, I, I feel bad to a certain extent. Cause like, I know that he loved me Yeah. and even though he did not show it in ways that I would say are healthy. Um, and like I said, his elevator really doesn't go to the top floor. Um, he still wanted to really be my dad, Yeah, you know? And if I didn't realize that God's hand was in this the whole way and that this is exactly where I'm supposed to be, I might even think that I made a bit of a mistake because um, he did love me, you know, and I, I'm probably going to give him a call and he might not be very happy or he might just want to try and find out where I am. Um, but I still love him, Yeah, you know? And I, I don't entirely understand why he does some of the things he does, but... Um, I know to him, he doesn't see himself doing the wrong thing, you know? Yeah. And he, yep. he loves me. And, um, so I'll, I'll call him and I'll tell him that. Good for you. That's awesome. And I, you know, I think just hearing the happiness in your voice, hearing that you want to have a great life, that you're not using substances, that your mind is clear and, and you're doing good things that God is in your life. You know, the hard, the hard thing for him is there's going to be pain there, but it's not, it's not going to be because of what you're doing it's going to be because of what he's not doing. Right. And so loving him through that, that'll be, I think it'll be good for him. I think you'll have some time to sit and and recognize and maybe there's opportunity for you guys to have a good relationship later on. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and just, just closure. Yeah. He he deserves that. Yeah. He definitely does. Yeah. And so do you. Yeah. You know, I think Mike, Michael, I think the, the thing that is going to be great for you is you're going to learn now, you know, as you go and as you come back, you're going to learn how to kind of create some boundaries for yourself and really, you know, like those guys at work with doTERRA, you've already done a great job. You created some boundaries. It, it took you to a dark spot. You recognize that you created some boundaries and, and you went forward with those things, right? Like you got to do what you got to do to make sure that you keep God in your life. But most importantly, so that you make sure you remember who you are and you are able to love people all around you. If you're in a dark spot, you can't love and lift anybody. You can't recognize anybody that's in pain. And, and because you're in it yourself, you start to go there yourself. And, and that's a, that's a very lonely life. If you start to break, that's when you want to turn to those substances. That's when you don't want to remember things anymore. And um, I, I just, I'm so excited for you to, to like have a new vision of what your life is, you know, as, as you've had the last little while. And so tell me, tell me what you would say, well, you're going to, and you say this all the time because you're going back home to him. But tell me, like, what's your thought towards your mom and dad now, the Taylor mom and dad? I mean, they're, they're like... I don't know how to put it into words entirely. The first thing that comes to mind is they're like superheroes. 
You know, they are seriously just the most amazing people. I am a lot to put up with sometimes and my mother does an amazing job. And, you know, I, I think it's funny. Sometimes I came out here, dude, I didn't know how to use like a, a screw gun or uh -huh. anything. You yeah, know? like and, a drill. Yeah, and my dad, he's like just, he's like this mechanic. He's yeah. so good at this stuff. And like, here I am, I don't know how to do stuff. He was, <laughs> you know, one time he said to me like, I wonder about you sometimes, Mike, you know, just because I'm like so behind on all this stuff. But man, you know, no. they, they put up with me and not only do they put up with me, I, I feel the love they have for me. And it is just amazing. I It does not feel like I've only known them for like three years. You know, it feels like they've been with me every step of the way. Um, and they're just so amazing. And I, I'm so grateful to have a dad who I know just loves me because, you know, for so long, I was just afraid that every, with every dad, just deep down somewhere, it was my biological dad. You know, just just Ready the flip of a switch. You know, just that tension building. But he's just proved to me that that's that's not the case, and that he loves me. He wants what's best for me. I've heard the emotion in his voice when he talks to me about things, um, and we've built an amazing relationship. My mother, she was the one that brought me out of like my cry shell. You know, like I said, I didn't cry for five years. Um, one time, you know, like. I think I was kind of putting her through a test, like, oh, are you going to really be a good mom? Just kind of push the buttons. Yeah. yeah. And I did to the point where it, I was like, man, I just don't know if, if we're going to be able to do this. And, you know, we went out on my, our trampoline and I just cried, man, like for an hour, just sobbing first yeah. time crying in like five years. How'd it feel? It felt so amazing. Yeah. I, I just, it was so hard for me to let down those walls with yeah. anybody, but I knew with her that I could. Yeah. Um, and I knew that it was just eternal. Oh, what it a was going to be eternal, you yeah. know, and that no matter what happened, she was going to be there for me. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, you know, they're, they're just the most amazing people I've ever met in my yeah. life. And I'm so blessed to have them in my life. That's awesome. What a, what a great family. Um, just wait till you get older, man. Then all of a sudden you start watching Hallmark commercials and you're like, oh, <laughs> you'll start. And they turn on like faucets when you get older. It's amazing. Um, yeah, fun, fun, fun. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the people in Texas. I'm excited for the missionaries there. They're going to get a diamond and we're all diamonds. I get it. But you've been through so many things and you've, 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 you found your footing. God is, you, you see God's hand in your life. Um, tell me your feelings about God and the Savior. Well, you know, um, more than ever right now, I know that he's there. And more than ever right now, I know that he's led me right here. And my relationship with God has grown a ton. It grows every day just in the way I talk to him. You know, I went from that kind of basic, like, oh, dear Heavenly Father, I'm, I'm thankful for this day, you know, to just having conversations with him. I, I actually imagine myself like sitting across from at a lunch table or something, just, just getting that conversation going because, you know, I know that he wants that relationship with me. I, I just know he's there more than ever. And, you know, getting more into the church side of things, you know, like I, I've prayed about it, man. I have asked him just, if this is true, just let it burn in my bosom, like it says in the scriptures, and it did. And I was a little surprised at first, like, oh, wow, he actually listened, he did that. You know, I, I kind of always thought that this church and the Book of Mormon were true. But after that, I knew it. And, you know, even I've heard a little bit of anti-material sense. There are things that confuse me, but I know in the end that like it's all true and I know he's there and that he loves me. And that's the thing that gives me probably the most yeah. worth in my life is just like, this guy created me. He sent his son down here to die for me, knowing full well that I am a prideful, envious, angry type person at times, you know? Like I'm so unbelievably imperfect and I screw something up every day, you know, whether it's like I burn my toast in the morning or I'm like <laughs> getting in big arguments. If that's with a sin, we're all in trouble. <laughs> for real, you know? um, just like, that he he seriously sent his son here to die for me, knowing that I was going to be imperfect and loves me anyways. Like, it's just the most amazing thing to me. 
my relationship with God has just grown so much. And I, I know more than ever that he's there and that he's going to get me through this. Even if the times are hard, you know, it's all just the path to getting back to him. Love it. You're, you're of infinite worth. There's nothing. And you know this, there's nothing you can do to escape the love of God. And we are here to make mistakes. We are here to screw up. That's why he sent us on. We, we have to. And, and that's how we recognize. That's how we see light. We pass through tough, hard things. Something, sometimes things aren't our fault. You know, I think of you as a little kid. It's not your fault. Like, you didn't know what to do. Even your brother, like, you know, trying to get you to come and, and, and do drugs with him. Like, that's not his fault. Like, what you guys went through, that's, that's so hard. And I can only imagine Heavenly Father just weeping for you, and, 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 but knowing what was going to happen down the road, right? Weeping for your mom and and for her parents and it's just tough but that's why he sent his son that's why he sent his son and he sent his son for every single person that's on this earth and that makes everybody we come in contact with infinite worth and you're going to go out there and you're going to have the chance to look people in the eye and say i know he loves you because he loves me and listen listen to part of my story Use your story. Use your truth. That's what he does. He needs your truth to help people see him. And of course, you've got the restoration, all that fun stuff. You're in That's awesome. And you, you're going to be a phenomenal missionary, Michael. And you know what, man? I thank you for thank you for blessing my life. You know, right? Like, thank you for blessing me and my wife's life. Like, I mean, we were trying to tell our kids the whole time you were speaking. Like, kids, quiet, sit down, listen. Like this, you'll never hear a talking church like this talk right here. Just. Shh, shh. And they're like, oh, we got it. But but you you you've been through so many things. Use them to help people see God. Help use them to help people find their value in, in looking to him. And and as you do that, miracles will continue to happen and bless your life. You'll feel your mom. You'll feel her close. And um, because her value is not lost to God either. Um Thank you for being here. Is there any last thing that you want to say at all? Um, you know, I just, I just know we're all, like you said, of infinite worth, you know, and God knows us each by name and he knows us better than we know us. And no matter how far gone that we think we are, we're not too far gone to make it back. And that's an important lesson that I've learned in my life. You know, I've, I've moved away a bit, but open arms were received with open arms and we learn we make it through, we repent, and we do it joyfully because we know that it's the learning process. Um, and I, I love God. I love my family. I'm so grateful for where I am today. And we just got to make the most of the things that are hard. Amen to that. Amen. All right, brother. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for tuning in to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. I would love to hear your feedback. You can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast or any podcast platform you use. If you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that I need to talk to, please email me at come towards delight at gmail.com.